Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. I hope you are doing well on this Sunday morning. I hope that you're enjoying the summer and uh, you are bracing yourself. Someone told me tomorrow it's gonna be almost 100 degrees. Can we just agree in faith right now that that's a lie and we will continue to have mild weather? Uh, hey, so, so happy to have you here. Again, my name is Brandon, and my wife and I were one of the, are some of the pastors here. And I want to say today on behalf of Pastors Gil and Debbie, our senior pastors, who today are, are on another campus, just welcome to church. And uh, like we say often, thank you for being here. Uh, we say thank you for being here because we know that church is not just a building. Church is not just an address. Uh, Church is not just a weekly gathering where we sing songs and we participate in sermons, but rather church is the body of Christ. It is the family of God that has been called out, gathered together for a common purpose. Can I get an amen? And so we we really do believe every week that uh, you're not here, I'm not here, that we're not together, uh, that we're we're missing something. Because what my Bible teaches me and what your Bible tells you is that you have equal value in God's body. That just because you are not on a platform or maybe you're, you're not called to vocational ministry, but you're called to mark, all of us hold equal weight and equal value in the body of Christ. You have something to give, you have something to to, to contribute, and just your presence, just as some would say your face in the place, just you being here, it makes all the difference because God's hand is on your life and you have what some uh, would consider, or I've heard one pastor say, a prophetic percentage. You have a percentage that adds to our corporate gathering. And so we're so thankful that you are here. Look at your neighbor and just say, I'm glad you're in church today. I'm glad you're in church today. Well, if you have a Bible, go with me to Romans chapter five. Romans chapter five, uh, I'm gonna be reading out of the New King James Version. Uh, We are continuing and also concluding a series that we've been in for the last number of weeks called So Loved, So Loved. And we've been talking in this series about the love of God, that you and I, we are not just loved by God, but we are so loved by God. The Bible says in John 3, 16, maybe the most famous Bible verse of all time, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. We've been talking about in this series that we are not just generically, categorically loved by God, but there is a unique an individual, a, a, a specific love that's been placed upon our life because we are God's handiwork, if you will. The Bible says that we are his workmanship, his master creation, that we are his sons and his daughters. And, 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 and love is not that we first loved God, it's that God first loved us, that God has set upon us a unconditional, never-ending, everlasting love that is so wide, so vast, that the Bible actually says, apart from God's spirit, we do not have the ability to fully comprehend it or articulate it. It's a God thing. You, you are loved by God. And not only have we been talking about, about God's love, but I, I would say we've really been talking about how to live a confident life. And that hasn't been necessarily the theme of the series, but, but if you think about it, we've really been talking about how to live confident and secure in every part of our life. And I, I wanna prove it to you by way of recap in case you haven't been here. Week number one, we talked about the reality that we have worth and we have value in the eyes of God. Every single one of us, not because of what you have or have not done, not because of your achievements or your accolade, you are valuable to God. Matter of fact, the Bible says you are so valuable, you are so loved that God gave what was most precious to him, his son, for relationship with you. God gave his everything, again, not categorically, not generically, he gave his everything for you individually in hopes that you might be reconciled back into relationship with him. I'm telling you, there is no more confidence that that you can find than knowing you are valued by God, than knowing you are so loved by God, than knowing that you have worth and value in the eyes of your creator. Week two, we talked about this reality that God is not mad 
Have you ever felt like God was mad? God was frustrated? That was me every single Wednesday night as a pastor's kid, going to youth group being like, yep, I missed it again. Like God must be, but we talked about a week number two, God's not mad actually. Romans, we'll read it in a second, but the Bible says that we are, we're at peace with God because we have been made right with God through Jesus' finished work. We're actually in right relationship with him. We are at peace with God. And I'm telling you, it brings confidence to your life for, for you to know it does not matter what I have or have not done on my best day, on my worst day. I'm in right relationship with God. I'm at peace with God. God is pleased with me. God considers me righteous in right standing with him. And we talked last week that that because Jesus was in all ways made human like we are, because in all ways he was tempted and tested like we are, that he can actually sympathize. He has compassion with our weakness. The Bible goes, he, he, he sympathizes. He has compassion on our weakness, on our frailty, because he himself, was made fully human. And therefore, we can run boldly to him and receive from him grace and mercy. It brings confidence to your life when you know, I don't have to run from God. I don't have to hide from God. I don't have to go clean up my act, figure it out, and get right before I go to him. No, on my best day, on my worst day, I can run to him. There is no more confident, assured place to be than to know I am loved by God. I'm in right relationship with God. And I have an open invitation with my heavenly father to run to him and receive the full provision of all he had to offer at any time and all the time. There's confidence in God's love. We, we, we were talking about this, that this subject actually is one of the most foundational subjects that we can talk about. Be, because you having a confidence or an assurance of God's love is what gives you the ability to receive, what gives you the ability to believe and to receive all that Jesus has provided. Can, can I just say for a lot of believers, I think we're leaving a lot on the table. That there's a lot that God has promised, a lot that God desires to do. There's a lot that God has for you that you've simply left on the table. You, you don't even want to ask. You don't even want to think about it because you're not sure if God really loves you, if God's really pleased with you. It's funny because the, the love of God, while it is the most foundational subject, it's often the one that we neglect the most. Ah, yeah, God, God, God loves me for sure. Oh, yeah, no, no, totally. God's love, absolutely. But I graduated that from, from, from that in middle school when I memorized John 3.16. I memorized the verse. Now I'm on to bigger and better things because we think that our spiritual journey is, a, is an intellectual ascent of just getting smarter, knowing more. But we've said it over the last number of series even that there are some things we know, but we don't know it. We, we can pass the test with our intellect, but our life proves we, 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 we don't know it. Our, our lack of confidence and security proves, ah, you might know it, but you, you don't know it. God's love is so fundamental and foundational because it is the foundation in which we have confidence in every area of life. I wanna talk about this morning as we conclude our series. How, how do we stay confident in God's love, in the midst of life's pain and difficulty, in, in the midst of what you could say are trials or tribulations, in the midst of the hurt and the uncertainty and the disappointment and the frustration, how do you stay confident in God's love? Because here, here's the reality for every single one of us at some level. We live so much of our life, do we not, based on what we can see, how we feel, and, and how we, from those things, perceive reality to be. And, and, and because we're tempted to live life here, we can often say, well, either God loves me or he doesn't based on how good or not good life is right now. Like, am, am I the only one that you pull into a parking lot that is full, a parking lot that's packed, and you round the corner and the front row spot, someone pulls out just in time for you to pull in. And you're like, praise Jesus. I am loved and highly favored. This must be a sign from heaven. God is well. Listen, I grew up with a mom. I'm sure she prayed for the nations, but for sure she prayed for parking spots. She prayed for Starbucks. She prayed for a Target when we moved here from, from Los Angeles. And she prayed for parking spots. I know what it is to be in a car and be like, yes, Lord. You have shown your face upon me. 
I know it because this parking spot just opened up. I, I remember probably six months or so ago, I was flying somewhere and I have no idea why. It was probably a mistake, but I got upgraded to, to first class. I'd never been in first class before. I walked onto that airplane like no one has any need to fear today. If you have fear of flying, put it aside. God's beloved is here. It is proven in the fact that I'm, but put me in the back row between two people that think they own the armrest. And I feel like I've been forsaken by God. Why? <clears throat> Why? Because so much of our life is lived what I can see. And I don't just mean physically, but how I perceive things to be, my perspective, how, how, how I feel. And listen, I am not abdicating that we should shove our emotions down and ignore them. I'm not saying that we should all of a sudden start living this life that is blind to reality, not lived in wisdom. However, what I am saying is that the Bible tells us we're supposed to be living with a higher truth. The Bible goes, no, don't live by sight but live by faith. And that faith is not just blind faith. Going, well, I don't know, but you know, Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit. So we're just, we're just going to ignore reality. No, that faith, it is a conviction of truth. It is a conviction of a higher reality. It is a conviction of a supernatural God who has given us supernatural promises. It is a conviction that not only has God given me a promise, but God is faithful to his word. So while I see it, while I feel it, while it is reality, I'm, I'm living not based on what I see, but based on a conviction of truth that God is faithful to his word and he's faithful to his kids. Can I get an Amen. And, and so I want to talk today, how, how do we, in the midst of the, uh, of the difficulty of life, how do we live in, in confidence? Because here's the reality. Um, life is not fair. I hate to break it to you, but sometimes we hold on to this, this fairy tale that life is life's not fair. And, and while the Bible is full of promises of God's provision and healing and comfort and joy and peace and all the things that we love to sing and shout about. The Bible is also full of assurances that we will face trial and tribulation. That as the, the writer of Ecclesiastes says, time and chance happens to us all. We, the reality is we live in a world that has been infected by sin and thus affected by sin. We live in a world that is full of hurt and pain and brokenness and dysfunction and things that don't make sense. But the reality is that it is because we live in a world that from the, from the start was infected by sin and therefore has been affected by sin. And while we live not of the world, we do live in the world and we feel the ramifications of that. So how, how do I stay confident in God's love when I'm in the midst of something that doesn't make sense? doesn't seem fair. It's hurtful. It's painful. It's disappointing. It's confusing. I want to, how, how do I stay confident? If you're taking notes, you can write this down. The title of the sermon today, it, it is in fact that, confident in God's love. And again, we're talking about staying confident in the midst of life's difficulty. Romans chapter five is where I ask you to turn today. Uh, I'm reading from the New King James Version. And uh, if you have that, awesome. If not, you can go on the screen. Uh, but I'm gonna read from the screen. The Apostle Paul is writing and he says this, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance, character and character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. I wanna read those five verses one more time. I wanna read those five verses um, and, and help you to see that within these five verses, Paul's gonna talk about how we are thankful and we worship and we glory and we sing songs and we shout yes and amen because of who we are and what's been, been made available to us right now. He's also gonna say, and we glory and we rejoice and we thank God because we know that this is not our home and that there is a future home for us. This, this might feel like forever, but it is a passing moment and we will live eternally with God in a place called heaven. And then he says, and in addition, when 
although our present reality is that we are loved by God, we are righteous, and our future home is, is paradise, he, he's going to address the difficulty and the circumstance in life, really the full spectrum in these five verses. Let me read it again. He says, therefore, having been justified, that word means to be declared right with God. I don't know if you still listen to the radio. Uh, I know mo- many people don't, not because of them being overly spiritual, but because we have things like Apple Music and Spotify, so why listen to the radio? But I heard a pastor say, if you had a radio station and it was 99.U, all day it would just be saying righteous, righteous. The word justified is the declaration from God, from heaven, that you are right with him, that you have been forgiven, you have been fully covered by the blood of Jesus, and you are now in right standing with God, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, he who knew no sin became sin so that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He says, having been declared right by faith, we right now, right here, we're at peace with God. God's not frustrated. God's not mad. God's not angry. No, we're at peace with him. And, And through our Lord Jesus Christ, verse two, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Pause. Grace is the unearned, undeserved, unmerited love, blessing, favor, full provision of God. I I love the way Pastor Gill describes it. He says, grace is like Sam's Club. There's everything you need and an an, an abundance of it. And Paul goes, we we have access by faith into the grace of God. One, One New Testament writer writes that all things pertaining to this life and godliness have already been provided for us. He said, we've been declared right with God. We're at peace with God. And we're actually standing in the grace of God, the provision of all things we have need of at all times, simply because of our faith and trust in Jesus. Wow, praise God. He said, not only that, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. In other words, our rejoicing and our thanksgiving and our praise, it is not just in God's promise for provision right now. It is in the reality that we have a heavenly and eternal home. All that we experience right here, right now, can I say, it is but a sample size spoon to all that God has fully provided. Jesus said, we should pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done right here, just as it is in heaven. However, we will experience the fullness of it, not here, but eternally. So so we're thankful for, for where we are here and we rejoice in the hope of God's eternal plan and purpose and and home for us. And then he gets to verse three and he says, "I, I, I, I read it like Paul is smiling. Like every mom and dad does when they smile and say, sure, you can be excused when you finish your vegetables. Absolutely, you can. He says, and not only that, but also we glory. And we praise, we exalt, we find reason to worship in tribulations. That word tribulation in in the original language, it literally means to be pressed. It, It is a word that means to, to be pressed and feel the pressure of something. Have you ever felt like life was squeezing you? You ever felt the pressure of life? You ever felt the stress, the anxiety, the worry, the pressing of circumstance and situation that makes you feel pressure from every side? The original translation also says this word is a metaphor for oppression, affliction, and trial. He said, not only that, but we glory in in the pressing of life, knowing, I want you to to grab that key word, knowing, knowing, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance, character and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. If, if you have your, 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 your workbook, I don't have one available with me, uh, but we have provided study guides for everyone. Uh, I would encourage you to grab these. They're a great resource uh, to just capture what we're talking about, but also to, to kind of go deeper in your own studies. But I wanna give you from the workbook today three truths. However, 
um, before I give you the three truths, I, I, I want to preface them. That all of them, someone say all of them, all of them are based on knowing something. Re- remember, the Bible says that we walk not by sight, but we walk by faith. We said this already, but we don't walk by just this blind, aimless, reckless faith that really doesn't make any sense and is, is kind of out of wisdom and out of touch with reality. No, faith is a conviction of truth. Faith is you know something because you've had a revelation and a conviction of the truth of God's word and you believe that God's actually telling the truth. I heard a pastor at one time, he, he said, Do you know a good way to define the fear of the Lord? It's, it, it's being so reverent that you live kind of afraid that God's actually telling the truth. It, it is this conviction that goes, no, I, I know the truth and I know that God is faithful to his word and therefore I live not by what I see, not how I feel, but I live by faith. Conviction of what I know and conviction that God will honor and he is faithful to his word and to his kids. I wanna give you three thoughts this morning, but all of them just know they're based on something we have to know. So three, three thoughts on how do we stay confident in the midst of life's difficulty. Number one, you can write this down. We have to remember. We have to remind ourselves. We have to come maybe even to a revelation that the joy is in the journey. <clears throat> for, for, so, for so many people, we, we, we forget this reality. And so we start living with this uh, misnomer, if you will, that the joy is in the result. The joy is in the paycheck, which that's kind of true sometimes. Can I get an amen? Um, the, someone in the balcony is like, praise him. Uh, the, the, well, the, the joy is in the achievement. The, 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 the joy is in the end. The joy is in the result. But, but if we're honest and if we read our Bible and we just think about life, it's actually not true. There is joy in the result, but the joy of a thing is the journey. It's the process. Like, like you, you know this is true if you're a parent. If you're a mom or a dad, you can attest to this, that raising children is difficult. Raising children is hard. It is painful. Some, I cannot tell you the last time someone did not come to my room under the age of seven and wake me up in the, in the middle of the night. Raising kids is hard. Raising kids is difficult. Matter of fact, this past, past Friday night, we, we had like a family night. And uh, we, we've just been really busy and I've been doing some traveling. So we're we're going to do a family night and be really, really intentional. And so we said, hey, guys, um, tonight we, we, we have a surprise. And our surprise was we were going to this new pizza place that was really cool. And we were going to go to a new ice cream place and then go eat at this, eat our ice cream at this really cool out, outdoor place. And um, we, we told our kids the surprise. And I'm expecting like, yeah, you guys are awesome. And my five-year-old goes, and she sits down and, and, and she goes, you guys just don't understand surprises. Excuse me. She said, surprises are toys and trampoline parks. That's what a like, no, you don't understand thankfulness. And all, all the kids are in the car. Jenny's in the car. I had to go back to the, to the house, in the house to get something. And I promise you, no word of a lie, I'm walking in and out of my house like, I love family nights. I love family nights. I love family nights. I love spending money to referee and, and, and like, I, but... But, it, but in spite of all the difficulty and challenge that is raising kids, come on, if, if you're a parent, you know that that memory pops up on, on your phone in, in your photos. And you start looking back on the days and years and months that were, and you long for them again. Because the joy isn't in the results. The, the, the joy is in the journey. What, what, what Paul is saying is, hey, the, the, the joy, our ability to rejoice and have joy and worship and praise and exalt God, it's not just in the finished work of a thing. It's not just in the promises and all that he's made available. It's not just in our eternal reality. It is in the journey with Jesus. 
It's, it's in knowing and understanding that even in the midst of difficulty and hurt and pain and frustration, that he is with me. And not only that he is with me, but he is faithful to work in, on, and through me what is good and well-pleasing and work it out for my benefit. Paul says, we glory not only in who we are and what he's provided, we glory not only in the, the eventual return and the redemption of all humanity, but we glory in the in-between. We glory in the pressing and in the tribulation because we have confidence and we know that he is with us. Bible says, James chapter one, verse two through four, the Bible says this, count it all joy, my brethren, James chapter one, verse two, count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into various trials. He's echoing what Paul said, count it all joy. Find reason to worship and glory and exalt God. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing, someone say knowing. That's, that's the same word Paul used. He said, we glory in, in the pressing of life because we know something. James says, hey guys, come on, count it all joy when you fall into various trials because you know something, because we know that the testing of our faith produces patience and patience having its perfect work leaves us perfected, complete, lacking nothing. In other words, in the midst of the trial and tragedy and difficulty and frustrations and exhaustion of life, not only is God present, not only is God faithful to, to heal and deliver and work it out, but God is working on me because he has more for me. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. We know that God is currently right here, right now. We sang it today, even when I don't feel it, even when I don't see it, God is working all things together for my good. I, I don't know if, if you're a basketball fan, um, I, I, I get flack sometimes because I love the NBA. I feel like everyone I talk to is like, oh, the NBA, gross. I love college basketball. It's still fundamental, hard-nosed, hard work. It's good. The NBA is a bunch of showboats who, you know, break the rules. And I'm like, oh, cool, but I love it. And, um, and, and right, right now the NBA finals are on. I don't know if, if you're watching this. Uh, I stayed up way too late on Friday night watching game four. And I promise you right now, I will stay up way too late tomorrow night watching game five. And, and the reason I'm so fascinated is because Steph Curry is playing in the NBA finals. He is uh, called Chef Curry, if you don't know this, because he's always cooking up something. Uh, but Steph Curry, he, he, he's amazing. Like, go home, even if you don't like basketball, go home on YouTube, Steph Curry highlights, watch them. It'll, no, I'm kidding, it won't change your life, but it did change my life. Um, but I, I, I love watching Steph Curry because every time he, he gets the basketball, I'm on the edge of my seat. And I'm on the edge of my seat because it can look impossible. He's got like 35 people surrounding him, which is impossible because there's only five players on the court. You get it. But he's like, he's trapped. And somehow he, he, he does some magic moves. And not only is he out of this trap, but like he throws the ball over. Like there are so many highlights. And this is totally not the sermon, but it's like him shooting a ridiculous <laughs> shot. And it hasn't even gone in yet. And he like turns around, doesn't even look at it. Like you already know, you already. And I, I'm on the edge of my seat because every time he touches the ball, there's something in me that's like, ooh, like, what's he gonna do? Can I tell you, while it is a cheap metaphor and it does not bear weight on the magnitude of God or what we're talking about, there's an element of life with God that we should be on the edge of our seat. Man, I, I just know that God loves me. God is for me. God is with me. It is unconditional, unfailing, unimaginable and comprehensible how much worth and value God has put into my life. He, he's not mad at me. I'm at peace with him. He considers me righteous. I'm a son of the most high God. He's given me access to everything and anything. And I know this is difficult. This is painful. This is, this is not fair. However, I'm on the edge of my seat right now. Why? Because who knows what God's going to do? And who, who knows how God's going to work it out? 
God is so good and he is so faithful and he has promised that he works all things together for my, there is joy in going, I'm on the edge of my seat living life with God saying it is so exciting and exhilarating and, and, and full of adventure, living life with you because you're always doing the impossible. You're always doing the unexpected. There's always confidence when I can't see how you're gonna work it out, you work it out. But Brandon, that is some optimistic, unrealistic stuff right there. Like, do, do you think for a moment you could come back to reality with the rest of us? Because that is like some, that's like some optimistic, unrealistic, like, you know, really bad TV preacher stuff. That, that's, can, can I just say that it is that perspective and attitude that has robbed so many believers of the reality we speak of today. Just remember God's kingdom is still, it always has been and it always will be, it is still a you get what you expect kingdom. Not, not, not a you get what you deserve. No, 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 no. We, it is unfair in our favor. We get what we do not deserve. However, God's kingdom is a you get what you expect kingdom. Remember Jesus, he, he said things like, according to your faith, let it be done to you. There was an instance in the New Testament, Jesus goes to his hometown, which, which by the way, I, I love thinking about his hometown in reference to how a lot of us live when it comes to Christianity and our church experience. Because maybe we were raised in church or maybe we just raised in the Bible belt. And so we've been in church our whole life and, and we've heard all the sermons if, if you're a pastor's kid like me, it's like, I've been to all the camps, all the conferences. I know the Christianese. I know the social cues in church. Come on. Like we're singing a fast song. You clap your hands. We, we, we get to a worshipful chorus. You raise your hands. We get to a bridge and you start looking constipated like, oh, this is so good. And like, I, I know the social cues of church. And, and the Bible says Jesus goes to his hometown where they're familiar with him. How familiar are we with church? How familiar are you with your Christianity and your belief and your relation? They go to, to, he goes to his hometown where they are familiar with him and their familiarity robs them of their expectation. And the Bible says, although the power of God was present to heal, although the power of God was present to supernaturally do what they could not do for themselves and what they desperately needed, that Jesus could do no mighty works. The man who walked on water, the, the man who, who lived a life of perfection, died on the third day was, that he could do no mighty works. Although the power of God was present, it was limited to the faith and expectation of the people and they were so familiar with him. That's Joseph's son. That's Mary's son. Remember when he was in second grade? And, and how often does, does our familiarity, it robs us of our expectation and robs us of the reality that we speak of today. Man, we, we sing worship songs. Even when I don't feel it, you're... But we don't actually believe that stuff. We... We get so familiar with church and so familiar with God and so familiar with, with the rhythms and routine that, that we, we lose our expectation. You, you could go, if you'd like, to James chapter one and you can read, and, and, and James just says it very plainly. He says, hey, the person who has doubt in their heart, the, the person who they, they, they don't really, there's doubt, there's unbelief, they're like a wave tossed to and fro. He says, let not that man expect he'll receive anything from God. Wow. James writing to believers, James writing to Christians. He says, yeah, the one with doubt and unbelief in their heart, let that man not expect he'll receive anything from God. Why? Because God's kingdom is still, and it always will, and it always has been, a you get what you expect. According to your faith, your belief, your expectation, Jesus says, let it be done. And you can write this down, second thought. And so we, we have to realize that tribulation, the, 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 the joy is in the journey and, and the trial, the pressing of life, it produces if we allow it. 
The book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter five, no, Hebrews chapter 12, it is. Hebrews chapter 12 says that now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present. Pause. Let me just be very clear that tragedy, circumstance, difficulty, pain, all the difficulty of life, it is not, someone say not, it is not a result of your sin. It is, not, it is not somehow God punishing you and chastening you. We talked about this at the beginning. We live in a fallen, broken world, do we not? We live in a world that has been affected by, infected by sin, and thus we feel the weight. We feel the effects of that. And we, we, we can't have a theology that goes, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm being punished right now because no, that is bad theology. Jesus took upon himself on the cross all of our sin so that we in him can have the, 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 the life of righteousness. Someone said amen? So, so I just want to be clear because this chastening doesn't refer to punishment, but rather it refers to the process that God works in us to, to like a father or a mother to, to discipline and to help to maturity their children. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present. Rather, it's painful. Nevertheless, Afterward, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Here, here, here is the, the reality of, of trial and tribulation. It'll either make you bitter or it'll make you better. It'll either make you more cynical and critical and judgmental and cynical. It, it'll make you bitter or it'll make you better. And in essence, what the Bible says is you choose. Actually, tribulation can produce. It can, what you feel is a setback, God can actually use to propel you forward if you will allow it. The Bible goes, no chastening seems to be joyful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Hebrews 5, 8 through 9, speaking of Jesus, the Bible says, though he was a son, though he was the son of God, yet he learned obedience. He was molded and shaped by which the things which he suffered, and I love this, and having been perfected, verse 9, and having been perfected, that, that word perfected is the same word that was used in James chapter 1. Remember when the Bible says, count it all joy, when you fall into various trials, because the testing of your faith produces perseverance and, per, and, 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 and perseverance, if it has its perfect work, will leave you perfected. It does not mean perfect, but rather it means to be lacking nothing. In other words, God will put every tool on your tool belt that you need for what is in front of you. The Bible says he learned obedience through the things which he suffered and having been perfected, James chapter one, verse two, having been trained by it, having, having yielded and allowed God to do in and, and on and through his life, he became then the author of eternal salvation. You know, you know I think it's important for us to realize that when we speak to this whole idea of us being able to have joy in difficulty, <clears throat> because we're confident that God's gonna work it out. That the, the process isn't us just kind of sitting by going, all right, well, you know, Pastor Brandon said either I get bitter or I get better. And I don't wanna get bitter, so I'm just gonna kick my feet and be like, all right, God, do it. Do what only you can do. Just, you know, we're, we're really in a hole here. I'm, I'm, I'm really behind. I'm really in a pinch. So you just, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to be on the couch. I'm going to be watching my favorite show with, with a bag of Doritos. And you work it out. That's not the process, though. Notice, and, and, and we won't read it for time's sake, but notice Romans chapter 5, 3 through 5. You could jot that down in your notes. James chapter 1, 2 through 4. Notice that before God works it out, so to speak, his first move is working on you. Oh, God, God's got solutions. God could, in the blink of an eye, he could, he, he could fix whatever thing you're going through. He, he could turn whatever. He, he, God is the one who said, peace be still, and an ocean in a moment was calmed. Oh, God can do it. But can I tell you, sometimes God, he's more interested in who you are becoming than what you're doing. 
We, we get so fixated on the result. We get so fixated on the thing we, we think is in crisis that we forget God's biggest priority is you. God's biggest priority is your character. God's biggest priority is your heart. God's biggest pro- is what is going on in here. And therefore, all the, 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 the literature, if you will, all the scriptures that we have that speak to this subject, they all go, yeah, 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 count it joy. Because God's going to use it. He's going to use it. Like, he, like this is going to be like one of those Netflix specials where I was down, down here and God, no, probably not. When we say he's going to use it, we mean he's going to use it to work in your life. To build, Romans 5 goes, hey, if, if you will just, just, just realize that God has got this and you will just stay steady. Tribulation produces what? Perseverance. The ability to endure, the ability to keep going, the ability to not compromise and not deviate and not buy into the grass is greener, the the ability to just, the Bible goes, if you'll just endure, if you'll have perseverance, God, he builds character and character produces hope. Hope in what? Hope that there's still more in front of me. The fact that God is molding and shaping and working and is concerned about building my character and my capacity, it is proof and evidence he has more in front of my life. He has a purpose. He has a plan. There's more God wants to do in and through my life, but he needs to work on me before he works that out. Paul goes, we have great confidence because we know that that God, yes, he's present and yes, he will work it out, but his strategy is actually working on us first. Can can, can I just encourage you wherever you are today, don't compromise. Do you know where 99.9% of compromise comes from? It comes from you feeling the pressure of life. It comes from, from, from you feeling the pressing of life and all of a sudden you start feeling, if I don't work it out, it won't work out. If, if, if I don't make a move, it's not gonna happen. If, if I don't figure out a way to, then it's not going to. And so what do we do? We compromise. We, we, we leave a trust and a confidence in God's words and in God's ways and we just go, go to work it out our way. And we compromise our priorities. We compromise our sexual purity. We compromise our relationships. We compromise business ethics. We compromise, we'll compromise anything and everything when we feel the squeeze, but I, if, if, if I don't work, but, 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 and because we feel squeezed, we, we have to have enough comp, confidence in God to say, God, I don't have to work this out myself because I know right now you're working on me. And I have hope that God, if you're working on me, I know that you're, not, not only do you have more in front of me, but God, you're, you're gonna work this thing out. God, you're, you're, you're doing something in my life right now. And it produces this hope that yes, you're gonna work it out, but God, it's because you have more for me. You have, God, I, I will not compromise. I'm gonna have confidence that I don't have to work it out because God, you're working it out and you're working on me. That's your process. How, how do I have this confidence? Number three, you can write this down and then we will we'll bring it to a close. But number three, we find this confidence in, in God's love. Confidence and hope, it comes from God's love. Full circle to where we started this whole series. My confidence and my hope, it comes from the present reality that I am loved by God. Romans 5, 3 through 5, we'll read it one more time and then we, we, we'll be done for, for the day. Bible says this, Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 5, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation, it produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now hope, listen, now hope does not disappoint. My hope does not disappoint. My hope is not in vain because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. As we close out, I want you to, to make note of, of two things. One, the confidence that Paul seems to, to, to speak of does not come from being able to see how it's all gonna work out. 
It doesn't come from being able to see how your plan and your strategy and your great thinking has, has, has made a way. It, it doesn't come from, from, from being able to see a possible, it comes from God's love. Secondly, I want you to see that God's love does not, this confidence doesn't come from our ability to intellectualize and figure out and be able to articulate exactly what the Bible has to say. It says, no, the, the confidence comes from God's love and, and, and the confidence I have in God's love is because the Holy Spirit has been poured out in my heart. I was trying to think of a way all day yesterday, uh, an actual example, um, but I couldn't think of an actual example. I could just th- think of a, of a feeling that, that I remember feeling all growing up. I did not grow up in a perfect home. I did not grow up with perfect parents, uh, but, but, but I grew up in a house where I, I never for a second questioned whether or not my mom and dad loved me. I, I remember my, my, my dad sitting me down and telling me things like, hey, so next time you miss it big, because you will miss it big. You know how this time you, you tried to hide and cover up and don't do that. I'm always on your side. When, when, when you miss it, run to me. I am your greatest advocate. I'm, 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 I'm your greatest, re- come to me. And I remember always feeling and always knowing and when I get in a pinch, when I've missed it, when I've messed up, when I feel like, oh man, I'm, I'm in a circumstance, I don't know how to get out of this. I know I can call m- my mom and dad. And I remember there being times that my, that my parents said, hey, we're, we're gonna take care of it. Now, I didn't know what relational resource they were gonna pull on. I didn't know what financial resource they were gonna use. I didn't know what wisdom and experience and creativity they were gonna use to figure, all I knew is they said they were gonna work it out. And so that weight and that burden and that pressure that I was carrying, I no longer felt it because I'm confident that, no, 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 like my, my dad loves me. He's proven, he's demonstrated over and over and over and over again, his commitment and his, consi- my, my, like my, my dad loves me. And so if he said he's gonna work it out, I don't even need to worry about how he's gonna work it out. I don't know who he's gonna call. I don't know what, all I know is he said he's gonna work it out and all that pressure rolls off my shoulders because, because I trust him. Essentially what Paul is saying is, do you know why we can really just have joy in the journey? Whether we're in good seasons, we're, we're looking to the eternal reality of, of what God's done or we're in the midst of the worst, most painful, dysfunctional, frustrating, unfair thing in the world. Do you know why we can find joy? Because we're confident that God loves us. Because we're confident, man, I I might've even got myself here, but God, I'm confident that you love me more than I can even comprehend. That you're more committed to me than I even am to myself. That even when I am faithless, you remain faithful. You've proven and you've demonstrated over and over and over again your unfailing, never-ending love for my life. So I don't know how you're gonna work it out. I'm on the edge of my seat. I, I don't know how you're gonna feel. I don't know what, but I know I don't have to carry that weight and pressure anymore. I can glory. I can worship. I can find joy in the midst of it knowing, yeah, God's got me. God is present. God is with me. He will not leave me. He will not forsake me. And not only will he work it out, God, you're working on me right now. God, you're trying to build my character. You're you're, you're trying to increase my capacity. You're, You're trying to change me, to mold me, to shape me. And God, if I will but yield to what you are doing, it gives me great hope and confidence. There's more in front of me. God wants to use me. God has more for my life, more for my family, more for this business he's called me to start. God, you have more that's in front of me than what's behind me. And I'm confident of that because you're currently working on me and working on my behalf. We don't have confidence in God's love because life is good. It's good when life is good. Can I get an amen? I, man, when life is good, that's the best. But but life is not always good. Life is not always fair. 
Life is not always easy. Life doesn't make sense. There's so much of life that we, we don't know and we do not know how to explain, but an old wise man of God once told me, Brandon, if you, if you try to serve God based on what you don't know, you, you will be found wanting. You have to serve God based on what you do know. And what you do know is he is good, he is faithful, and he set his love upon you. And because of that, hope and confidence comes in every season. Can I pray for you, God, today? I do not know what circumstance and situation of pain and frustration and difficulty is in this room. There, there may be circumstance and situation in this room that is of someone's own doing. They made decisions and there are just consequences. But God, I pray for that individual, for those people, that you will remind them of your never-ending, unfailing love, that you freely and fully forgive us of all of our sins. And that the book of Psalms says that with God, there is abundant redemption in the biggest hall that I have dug for myself. With God, there is an abundant supernatural ability to redeem and restore and bring my life back to where God intended it to be. For the, for the one who's in here this morning and they're walking through something that it's not of their own doing, it is simply the reality of life. And it hurts and there's frustration and confusion. There's disappointment. I pray for that individual, for those people today, that God, you would come alongside them by the power of your Holy Spirit and you would once again, maybe for the first time, give them a revelation of your never-ending, unfailing love that would bring confidence and security that they might be in it, but you're in it with them. That they, they might not know how to work it out, but you're working it out on their behalf that they might not know what you're doing, but you are indeed doing something in them that is building their character and building their capacity for what is ahead. I pray for us as a church, God, that in the name of Jesus, you would give us more and more an ever-increasing revelation of your love, that we would be the most confident, secure people on the planet, not because of our abilities or our achievements or our accolades, but because we know whose we are and we know who we are. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.